welcome to Let's Talk Diz, a show that gives you everything you need to know to help make your Disney vacation as magical as can be in just about 20 minutes. I'm your host, Jeff Coviello, and with me each week is Disney Master Sandy from Easy Diz by Instant Impressions Travel Services. Sandy, how are you today? I'm doing great. How about you? I'm doing very well. Thank you for asking. And I know that you have returned last week. You were at Epcot for the 40th anniversary for their their great birthday celebration. We did a show all about that last week. And so we thought it was appropriate to talk about something that was returning to Epcot because some of the tours are returning. And one of the tours was the behind the seeds tour, which you had an option to do this last time you were there. And I'm really excited to talk about it because it's one of those things that I see constantly every time I'm there. Living with the land is something my family does every single time we're there. It's, it's a staple for us, but it's not a tour that I've done. So I'm interested to hear from your perspective all the great things that you got to experience that day. And I think it's so funny you say that. And it it really kind of talks about what the show is about. Living with the land is pretty much as far from a staple for my family as you can get. I'm hard pressed to tell you when the last time I wrote it was prior to October 2nd. So being the tour was coming back, I'm like, you know what? Let me hop on the ride before I do the tour. That way it's all kind of fresh in my mind. Then <laughs> sure. I'll do the tour and then I'll hop back on. There's probably folks that are listening that are, are very confused. They don't necessarily even know what we're talking about because unless you've been inside this pavilion and you've done this ride that's kind of tucked away near a food court and away from Soren, which is really the main attraction in the pavilion, maybe they don't even know that this exists. So give us the basics of where and when this particular tour happens. You bet. Well, you nailed exactly where it is, except you left out that right above it is the Garden Grill. Yep. And we'll talk about why that's such an important piece of it. Um, it is a boat ride. It's about a 13-minute boat ride. It's a great ride if you're just looking to get out of rain or heat or whatever kind of weather, because it does load a lot of people, loads quickly. Don't be offended, Jeff. It could also be a good get ready to nap ride if you're not <laughs> totally into it or want to do it more than once. Sure. sure. Um, the beginning of the ride starts off a little slow. I'll be honest. That's my impression. You're watching clips of a movie as you're going through. You're kind of learning about living with the land. What does it mean? What did, you know, how did farmers come up with some of the things they do with their crops? What do we do? in the U.S. that's different for agriculture than they do in the other parts of the world. And then all of a sudden you get out of this screened area and you're in the middle of a monster greenhouse floating on through. Right. I remember as a kid floating through here and seeing hydroponics for the first time, seeing them working behind the glass, working on things that they were in cooperation with NASA on that they could grow plants in space. Like these are the things that I learned as a, as a young person in that edutainment sort of way in Epcot that still exists there today. There's obviously different things that they're doing, but going on that ride was one of the things that I, I will always remember as a kid and had the fact that there's a tour that takes you behind the seeds really is really an interesting piece that I have not done. So I guess, how many times does it happen? And an interesting name for it, because while there is part of it that is behind the seats, there is a huge part of it that is right on stage. Okay, go ahead. If you've taken that ride, you've probably seen cast members working, the horticulture specialists. Right. But you may have seen groups of people and been like, what are they all doing walking through here? (laughs) 
you know, we had people waving to us from the boats. We were like mini celebrities back there for a sure, little while. It was sure. pretty cool. Yeah. So how often does it happen? Seven times a day on the half hour starting at 1030 in the morning. Okay. I will tell you it's kind of a large group. I want to say we were about 22. They do give you those earpieces so that everybody can hear. But again, a testament to what they're doing and the level of this tour, even with about 150 people seeing it every day, it does sell out pretty frequently, especially now. I went October 2nd, which was its first day back since COVID. You can make reservations on the My Disney Experience app or talk to a travel specialist about it. I highly recommend an advance reservation. If you didn't make one, try and stop at the desk first thing in the morning, see if there's any later in the day times open or possible cancellations you can get a hold of. You'd, you'd mentioned obviously talking to a travel specialist or making a reservation. This tour carries a fee. What's the cost that we're talking about? $35 a person, DVC members and annual pass holders. There's a discount for you. Okay. And the duration of the tour of the tour is how long? About an hour. They ask that you check in about 30 minutes prior. So I would suggest leaving about two hours. There's a tiniest, tiniest ever gift shop in Walt Disney World when you're done. <laughs> Shocking. Goes with the tour. <laughs> of course. Of course there is. You had mentioned that you had rode the attraction first, right? So I guess my question is, how does the actual tour start? Does the tour start with the attraction? No. So how does it begin? It does not. They don't take you on the ride at all. They want you to use your time to do that. Great. You head backstage into an area where you get to see some of the work that they're doing in trying to deal with bugs that damage plants. You watch a semi-interesting, semi-disgusting movie about <laughs> bugs and pollination and we learn all about these bugs that are actually native just to florida so they're not things that we would necessarily know depending where in the country you are sure but what they're doing that kind of study of bugs is helping horticulturists all around the world deal with infestations in their plants and again kudos to disney for their way of doing things they are not looking to spray pesticides anywhere. Correct. They're looking for all the natural ways to feed the plants, grow the plants, and care for the plants. And that's really where a lot of these advances come in. Okay, so you do the, the movie first, and then where do you go? We head to an area that's literally backstage out in the parking lot, a little growing area you can see with all these cool colored lights on it. Um, it's where they work on starting their clippings that I'll talk about later. And a special project that they're doing with the USDA right now. I love that, you know, the government is working with Disney on these advances and things that you would never think about. So it's a dwarf plum tree project. I never knew this is going to sound really silly, maybe, how dangerous being a plum farmer is. Huh. Why? <laughs> Apparently, and this is why the government is working with Disney on this, plum trees grow very, very tall and only fruit at the top. Okay. It makes it difficult to pick. You're using ladders and different things. And there is a huge 
higher percentage of accidents from plum farmers than any other farmers as they fall off ladders and apparatus trying to pick the fruit. Huh. Okay. Who knew, right? That's not something I knew. No, definitely not. (laughs) But see, it is more than a theme park. It is, as Jeff loves to always talk about, edutainment. You had mentioned that people were gawking at you. (laughs) You didn't say it that way, but people were watching and you were... You were uh, waving at people and they were waving at you. You know, we've seen people walking in and out of of these areas here. So I guess break down that experience. Like we've seen these people walking before, but now, you know, you might have been one of those people or maybe you, you saw them actually get up close and personal if it's a cast member working within the greenhouse. Talk about that experience a little bit. And again, it's why I highly recommend that you ride the ride first because it really kind of gave it that extra element because you were literally seeing it from the back now. The backside of water, of course. Backside of water. Yes. And you really saw maybe a little bit more in depth of what you could see from the water, obviously much more up close. You are asked with one exception not to touch anything. You're welcome to look at anything you want. And because you're in the greenhouse where the boat goes through, It's all what Disney considers on stage. So you are welcome to take all of the photos and videos you want. You're getting it closer than the people in the boat, but you are on stage the entire time. There's creative ways that they present some of the plants, right? Whether it's growing them into specific designs, so to speak. I remember there was always that one pumpkin that grew in the shape of Mickey. There was always that oversized lemon like, did you yes. ever, did you see things like that that maybe we don't see on the ride or that we do see on the ride, but you got a different perspective on? I think the thing that you don't see on the ride that we got to see, and it was the one exception that we got to touch, is we met Stanley. Stanley. Stanley is their sensitive plant that I'm told is his real name. <laughs> okay. And check out our Facebook page this week. I've got a video of me petting, for lack of a better word, Stanley. <laughs> Um, they really encourage it. And I never knew there was a plant that does this. As you run your finger down Stanley's leaf, he protects himself and closes up. And then if you watch him for a couple of seconds, he opens his leaves back up. Really cool. Yeah. Yeah. Very cool. So he's kind of like their mascot. He's definitely not something you would ever notice on the ride. But again, we were all invited to pet Stanley and see what he's about. We got to see how they're growing again. They're big on produce, obviously. Yeah. yeah. So we saw the non-rooted items, the different, we learned the three different ways that they start plants that aren't in soil. And we got to see how good is their produce. Within the first few minutes of the tour, we all got to sample a cucumber grown right there in the greenhouse. Uh, I was going to ask you about that. That's good. How was it? Was it delicious? It was very good. <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure. Um, and they actually take that produce and supply it to the parks. I was going to ask you about that. So let, let's go there now, I guess. What happens with the produce that gets produced there? So, again, they rotate some of the crops. They were explaining to us, and again, I never thought about this with a greenhouse and all of those things, but she said, you know, there are certain things we can only do two months a year because otherwise our climate's too hot. But for instance, all year long, they grow lettuce. They grow 200 heads of lettuce a month. And they supply 
1% of the vegetables that the pike uses come out of the land. And if you eat in the garden grill, which we mentioned is right above it, that's that rotating restaurant. They do serve salad there. Some of the salad comes right out of the land. But there's a part where it's rotating where you can kind of see a farmhouse and look right down into the attraction. So they kind of make that synergy. And I've been there. It's a it's a really cool restaurant to attend. So what we'll do we'll still do a show on that one day too. But it's a it's it a is really interesting. I have to say, one of the things I love about the backstage tours is they are chock full of facts, but they are not designed to be a lecture. They will answer any questions anybody has. Well, I have a question for you because you know I spend a ridiculous amount of time learning about different things that Disney's doing, different initiatives that they have. Obviously, when you host a Disney podcast, that's one of your weird hobbies. Um, but one of the things that I've noticed over the last couple of years, and if you are traveling around property, you see this. One of the things that they're really big on right now is renewable energy, is solar energy. And they've they've purchased a significant amount of land just to, to put a solar farm in. Talk to me about anything that they talked about on this tour that maybe is tied to that. Because it's obviously all tied to the mission of sustainable growth. Yes. And it was interesting because they talked about how this area is kind of a project onto itself. And they have a lot of leeway that to try things, to get things going on property. So, for instance, they have a five-step recycling. Everything from in the land is 99% recyclable. They do not create to that footprint. And one of the things that they have kind of brought into their initiative is part of that solar project that Disney is on. And I think it is super impressive to me that their solar fields now are create enough energy to power two entire theme parks. That's not super impressive. That's insane. Because, <laughs> because, because when you think about just the amount of energy that's necessary to, to power a theme park, we're not talking about a theme park that is in uh, a climate that is comfortable at all times. We're talking about stuff that's pumping out air conditioning at all times of the day. You know, that, that's, that's insane. It's an insane number. And in order to get there, you have to put in the investment, which they've clearly done. And I think that is, it speaks very much to part of the mission of Epcot as a park. And while it is, in my mind and yours, obviously, a very impressive statistic, it's not one that Disney's, I don't want to say that they're not happy with it because they are certainly proud of it, but they're not stopping there. They sure. want to get much further. I mean, we know, obviously, four parks, two water parks, almost 30 resorts. They're working on how to do more, how to recycle more. When she was talking to us about the recycling, we know that when you're out in the parks, you've got a regular trash bin, you've got the recycling bin. If you've done a behind-the-scenes tour in Magic Kingdom, you've actually seen the garbage area. That is a highlight of the tour where they manually go through because they can't trust guests to recycle appropriately um, to do the basic recycling that we're all used to at home. Cans, bottles, glass. Obviously, Disney doesn't allow glass, but those items go separate from the trash. 
but to it's- watch here where food waste is separate and composted. And she said, you know, when we tried our cucumber, our cucumber came on a toothpick and they have a recycling spot just for wood and toothpicks. They want to be sustainable. Yeah. So it, it just sounds like that's one of the things that's flowing through the park, so to speak. What other applications are there for some of the stuff that's grown on on property? You had mentioned that they grow 200 heads of lettuce per month. 1% of the park vegetables are, are grown there. What other things did you learn about that they're growing specific crops for, for maybe specific purposes? So I had never heard of a winter melon before. They are pretty massive growing on these vines. Um, they look very gourd-like when they're hanging. And she was explaining to us how they actually are pretty tasteless. They take on the flavor of whatever you cook them in. Okay. But what they have found, these melons grow from 40 to 120 pounds before they're ripe. Wow. And they are a favorite treat of a rhinoceros. Huh. They kind of use them to play catch and volleyball. <laughs> you know, she says you watch them and they kind of throw them off their horns and they play with them for a little while. And then when they drop enough times, they break open and they chow down on them. So they work with Animal Kingdom on ventures like that. Again, one of the things, if you listen to our previous tours that I did at Animal Kingdom and Animal Kingdom Lodge, you will know that they are not feeding them any of the produce that has turned already or any of the compost that all of the animals on property all get first grade feedings. This is always fascinating to me too, because I know that obviously things change, but did you get a number of like the different types of plants that are grown in the greenhouse? Well, I don't have an overall number because there's multiple different sections to the greenhouse. Right. Um, but we talked a lot near the end of the tour about their tropics greenhouse, which has over 80 different plant species. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, and a lot of that creates different spices. And so one of the unique things, if you ride the ride now, is that as you're going through, you will see signage for what items are used at food and wine festival booths. Hmm. So again, it was interesting. She was explaining to us that living with the land is the only area on property where a large number of their changes do not require Imagineering approval. Normally, she said, you know, you don't change the paint color on, you know. Anything. A little (laughs) one-inch strip without Imagineering approval. But because of how they're working on plant and vegetable growing and experimenting, they can change out anything like that related to the plants or the animals, because they do have some fish there without Imagineering approval. When they do design things like their holiday layover, that goes through Imagineering. But again, it was so unique to hear about the constant changes in the food. One of the things that I had asked her is I kind of got hung up on that. We only use, we only create enough food for 1% of the vegetables needed in the park. And we all know that one of the things about Walt Disney World is they do have the luxury of space. So it kind of made me think, why isn't there not necessarily a fifth park, but a massive additional backstage area that's living with the land without a boat going through it that is creating 
all the lettuce they need and all the cucumbers they need. And the reality is kind of like a lot of other things that we find in life, the produce that they make in-house while they are proud to grow it and it is as farm to table as you get is substantially more costly than anything they can buy from a local farmer. Right. And so both in support of the local economy and farmers and the cost of produce, they purposely are not producing enough to be all of the food. They're producing enough to have a hand in it and to be able to make some of these advances in science that they're making. One of the things you had mentioned, and, and this is kind of really one of the last things I want to I want to touch on tonight, and it's really one of the last things you see as you're on this living with the land ride is fish farming. I know that there's a significant portion of fish farming that, that they talk about on the on the attraction. What did you have as far as interaction with how they handled the fish? We were definitely up close and personal, literally at the side of the tank. And then one of the cool things is we end with the opportunity to feed them. Okay. And she said to us, I'm going to come around now. And those of you that want, put your hand out above the tank. I'll give you some food. But we will feed them all together because even though I could see on the ledge there, there was a bottle. Again, I said to you, this tour happens seven times a day. Once an hour, these fish are fed. You would think they haven't been fed in days. The minute the food <laughs> hits the water it becomes a splash zone for anybody near there. We definitely got wet. It was hysterical to watch them all. Just, you know, they were calm and swimming around and then they were jumping like crazy. Just an interactive experience. Yes. What haven't we covered? We're coming to the end of the show. Anything that you'd like to share that we haven't spoken about? I'm going to probably not sound so smart, but I'm going to go with it. It is really hot in the greenhouse. <laughs> I think the greenhouse effect, the, Sandy, the greenhouse effect. <laughs> well, you know, when you're on the boat ride, I think because you're constantly moving, you don't realize how hot that greenhouse really is. When you're actually standing in the greenhouse for an hour, it is hot. And they did take time. You know, if you're interested in how do they water in the greenhouse? How do they cool the greenhouse? How do they control the temperature? They do cover that. They cover it in as much detail as you want. Again, they're open to questions. They showed us some of the different irrigation systems and passed around a piece of pipe that we could all see it while they explained the watering of things. So it was a great tour. And again, we've talked about before, we know that by choice or by need, some of you are pulling your kids out of school to make this vacation. There are educational opportunities in every park, but I have to say, if you've got a middle schooler or a high schooler, take this tour. It is so worth their time, the value that they will gain. Maybe it even, you get lucky, it coincides with their curriculum, um, but a phenomenal educational experience, but fascinating and engaging. It's not, as I said earlier, you're not feeling like you're in a lecture hall. I highly encourage this tour for everybody. Well, as you said in the beginning, as we are climbing out of COVID, these things are returning. So this is back. I thank you for indulging the son of a landscaper as we talk about the behind the seeds tour and have a great week. 
Thanks. You as well. And that's a wrap this week on Let's Talk Diz. If anyone you know could benefit from this or any show, please share, have them like, and subscribe. And don't forget to reach out to the folks at Easy Diz by Instant Impressions Travel Services for any Disney destination planning. Make it a great week. And as always, keep making memories.